Okay. Yeah, Anthony, turn your thing up, and then I don't give a fuck about anything else. We're recording this. <laughs> George Murray, welcome back to the content button. Throughout this project, we have thought ourselves freedom fighters, soldiers for truth. The dastardly Hollywood elites try to hide these scripts, and we, your heroes, liberate them and return them to you, the people. The elites might have been right about this one. Discovered in a dumpster by a guest of the show, Anthony Boccia, the production of the script has been wrought with peril. Two hours before recording, half of the original cast walked out all, all at once, leaving us scrambling to recast. When we finally got everyone together on the call, a few of the microphones refused to record, setting us back nearly an hour. When we finally got everything working, several audio files came out sounding like they were recorded through a 19th century telephone, and at a key point in the script... Several performers heard the laughter of a child independent of the recording. It was at this point that we realized that we were no longer simply defying the power structure of the entertainment industry. We were defying the Almighty himself. To God, I beg forgiveness. And to you, listener, I give warning. You do not have to listen to this episode. Listen to, to a less sacrilegious one, like the, the one about 9-11, or the one where Ted from How I Met Your Mother fucks a demon. If you consider yourself emotionally susceptible to, to graphic acts of sex, excessive gore and body horror, or depictions of huge human babies, turn this episode off immediately. If you decide to stay and listen, all I can say is this. I am sorry. Now without further ado, Bridgerton of Secret Societies. Exterior, Mayfair, London, Day. We're soaring over this illustrious neighborhood in all of its splendid 1813 Regency glory. Horses draw their carriages, distinguished gentlemen tip their hats, fashionable ladies take their strolls, and it's all vibrance and gaiety, swagger and style as we alight on a boy, 12, satchel on his shoulder, hurrying through these cobblestone lanes, handing out newspapers and to highfalutin inhabitants everywhere. Exterior, Hyde Park, Rotten Row, day. From the chic lords and ladies to the lowlier simpletons, everyone is reading the entry from Lady Whistledon, the author of a scandalous society newsletter. Simply gratuitous. It would appear after biffing and boffing about poppycock hogwash, higgly piggly frim from the lock doesn't fly far from the spree after all. Exterior, Bond Street, dress shop, day. To the society matrons and their daughters shopping about. The dove that could not escape. Wedding weds. The unweddable crow. Such is so. Exterior, Park Lane, Danbury House, day. To the tart-looking, cane-wielding lioness of a dowager known as Lady Danbury, 70s. Sits in her rumbling carriage, drinking tea and reading the newsletter. The Duke of Hastings and the eldest daughter, Bridgerton, are to be wed at last. Lady Danbury leans back. Her icy countenance melts into a warm smile as a tear of joy rolls down her cheek. Interior, upstairs hall, Featherington home, day. Find a dissatisfied Lady Portia Featherington, 40s busybody, 
also reading the news. I must say, I always grow teary-eyed in the bidding farewell to such a perfect scandal. Portia thwaps the paper on the banister and mutters bitterly in the direction of her three daughters, ugly as sin, Prudence, 21, Philippa, 19, and Penelope Featherington, 17. Interior, Buckingham Palace, Royal Bath Chamber, day. Strewn across the royal massage table, the ever-regal Queen Charlotte studies the paper in deep thought. She removes a cucumber from her left eye and chops it. Percival, her servant, kneads out a knot in her back and rants. Positively extusiary, your majesty. The Bridgerton girl has the audacity to deny your Frederick's hand in marriage post-betrothal. Incorrigulous. Treason, I say. Regicide of the spirit. Enough, Percival. Interior Bridgerton house, living room, day. The eldest Bridgerton daughter, Daphne, 21, enters the family common room. She fails to escape the awe of her five shocked siblings, Anthony, 28, Benedict, 26, Colin, 19, Eloise, 17, and Hyacinth Bridgerton, 10. Violet, 40s, the Bridgerton matriarch embraces her daughter with a cry of joy. Hyacinth nestles up between them. Wow! Daphne is going to be married! Hooray! Eloise approaches her sister as well. They share a knowing look. Congratulations. Interior, the Duke's Manor study day. The Duke, Simon Bassett, 28, slumps in an armchair and cradles a hearty glass of bourbon. Amund, his servant, appears. Your Grace, the Lady Danbury requests your presence. The Lady Danbury creeps up behind Amund and wallops him on the bum with her folding fan. He Ow! seizes up. Having me wait, don't you know who I am? <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Oh, dear, you'll have to tell me where you found this dimwit. I must have one. Amund looks at his master as if he could cry. Simon dismisses him with a wave. My Simon is to be married, and it is... It is the tabloids I must hear it from. Disgraceful. Well, I hardly know of the matter myself, my lady. Danbury gawks at Simon's mopery. My, this is not a duke I've seen in a long time. Believe me, I'm the happiest I have ever been. It is my lady who will be dismal. Hell and a duke I did not miss. Well, as a child, you taught me to discover my strength, to recover my honor, to dispel my name unflinchingly. But for the first time, another will be caught in crossfire. That brilliant young girl deserves so much more. This is rather unbecoming, dear. I suggest you tidy yourself. We all have secrets, and we all find one with which to share them. Not mine. Lady Danbury narrows her eyes. What is it that your father said to you on that last day? Interior, Bridgerton House, Daphne's chamber, day. In a large mirror, Daphne watches her chambermaid, Rose, brush her hair. Lady Violet enters the reflection and locks eyes with her daughter. Rose reads the room, gives the ladies a nod, and exits. Violet nabs the brush from Rose and picks up the brushing. Thank you, Rose. Come now, something tells me moments like these are going to be growing very rare. Be my baby girl while you still can. 
<laughs> All this time you were dying to give me away. Now you're sad to see me go. Is it the way of the world, darling? Doesn't mean I have to like it. Wait until you have your children of your own. Daphne grows distant. My duke spoke of something. Mm? That he was hesitant to marry as he was unable to give me a child. Violet cocks a brow. Interesting. Perhaps a figure of speech? Must be. Interior, Sienna Russo home, front door, day. We escape from the regality of lords and ladies to a home of a more ragged, modest quality. Sienna, 25, foxy opera singer, packs two large travel bags with fervor, a knock on the door. She retrieves it. It is Anthony Bridgerton. Tis tisk, let's go while we're young. Anthony cannot match her gaze. Sienna registers his silence. No. She kicks the door, but Anthony thwarts its slam. She trudges into her home, Anthony in tow. I've fallen for it again. I've fallen for it again. Grant me explanation. Mother bless and curse me. You know not what I'm to say. Beat. Sienna folds her arms and listens. Last night, those things I said, they were all true, all of them. The the plan, however... See, when we made the plan, I, I, I thought I'd be a, a fugitive or dead. Dead? A bloody duel, Tony. Once again, Anthony struggles to evade her piercing stare. Oh, get out. I've heard enough. Please. Only on the brink of death. Only on the brink of suicide am I worth even an ounce of spit to you. You act as though I've gone back on my word. Am I not standing here talking to you? I, I, I love you, Sienna, more than anything in this world. I love you, Sienna. Sienna offers Anthony the door. Oh, but not enough for your fancy mom, your fancy balls, your fancy feckin' queen. Ha! More than anything of this world, eh? Guess that's not enough. Interior, Featherington home, living room, evening. Philippa, Prudence, and Penelope wait on a cat in the hat 2003 as striped vomit green sofa. Chatter from the hall. Uh, Portia, must we... Pride put you here, and Pride would gladly have you stay. Come now. Portia nudges her husband, Lord Archibald Feather Archibald Featherington, 50s, into the living room. Mama, what's going on? Where is Mrs. Varley? Portia glances at her husband, who glances at the ceiling. Mrs. Varley has been dismissed. Three blank stares. Dis a what? Did she do something wrong? No, dear, we could no longer afford her. Philippa gets to her feet. Have we grown destitute? No, uh, we... we... The Featherington house will be undergoing a change in lifestyle. From now on, only two warm baths a week. Two? You each may hold on to only ten dresses. The rest are to be auctioned. Ten? And finally, I will be requiring each of you to take on a more active
active role in the management of the estate. Prudence what? and Philippa falter while Penelope springs up. Oh, Joy, it's about time. No, no. Calm yourself, Prudence. Interior, living room, hallway adjacent. Just out of sight, the lovely Marina Thompson sits by the doorframe and eavesdrops. Hmm. <laughs> Interior, living room. Enough! Prudence pipes down. Let us recite the Featherington mantra. The family huddles. We shall endure! <laughs> Exterior! Secret gate entrance! Buckingham Palace! Night! A dimly lit large gate enwraps a foreboding swath of vegetation. On a pathway running parallel, a royal carriage comes to a halt. Simon steps down from the carriage and examines his strange surroundings. The footman stands to the side. I was instructed to go as far as this, your grace. The gate entrance creaks ajar. Exterior, royal garden, evening. Simon moseys about the massive garden. It contains a sense of ethereal, untouched beauty. A glowing blue pond draws him to its edge. Your grace... Simon reels. Queen Charlotte stands by his side. Simon takes a small bow. Your Majesty, to what do I owe the honor of this call? Walk with me. With pep, Charlotte takes off, Simon keeping pace. After considerable silence. For the sake of the royal family and the Prussian prince, I apologize for the abrupt manner of my engagement to Lady Bridgerton. My own carelessness is to blame. I beg you, don't hold it against her. She knew she was too good for him. A prince of Prussia or a prince of Ballyhoo, the boy couldn't find the ocean in the Atlantic. Simon smiles. I doubt he'll have any trouble finding a new bride to ball to tears. You, on the other hand, have struggled disproportionately to your status, which is why I'm inclined to spare you. Spare me, your grace? You see, Simon, you hold a secret. Simon takes a breath. Oh, just one? But it is a secret we share. Simon politely shrugs. Oh, I'm afraid I not know of what you speak, Your Majesty. Why, the brown-eyed society, of course. Simon freezes in his tracks. You oaf. I, I, I know not of which you... Fascinating how even the most haughty men tremble at its very mention. The brown-eyed society. By reflex, Simon's head darts about, scanning the area. Charlotte laughs. Oh, good heavens, did someone hear us? I'm the queen, you imbecile. <laughs> Simon cannot hide his distress. My, my, they did quite a good job with you. You truly thought they were above the crown. Simon processes in silence. Charlotte takes a seat on an ornate stone bench. She pats the spot next to her. Simon joins her. Now, there is the matter of your bride-to-be. She must not be involved. But we both know she already is. Simon hangs his head. Now, I believe Miss Daphne to be capable. Even, dare I say, 
<laughs> a perfect fit. Simon exhales a tormented laugh into his hand. <laughs> Permitted you don't stand in her way. The queen rises. Convict yourself to the cause or destroy the engagement. Pals Ella Wenchego, Simon. Tick, 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 tick. <laughs> the queen leaves Simon to gather himself. Interior, Bridgerton House, Daphne's chamber. The next morning, Daphne brushes her hair. Eloise lies sideways across Daphne's bed, mindlessly twisting the pink nylon curtain. Ah, uh, one cannot help but pity you, sister. Engaged. Mm, and to make matters worse, soon I'll be married as well. <laughs> Dreadful. I will miss you, sister, very much. Eloise, must I reiterate... Our family will always come first. What would you know? You exchange your freedom for a ring. And here, living in this house, you'd call that freedom? <laughs> Point taken. Often, as we ride the carriage about town, I see little peasant children wandering the street. Working at the factories and shops, I cannot help but envy them. The destiny is theirs to choose. Daphne shakes her head and sighs. Oh, now, Eloise, that must be the most... Knock, knock. Anthony pokes his head in the doorway. Am I intruding? Without reply, he marches in. Uh, the Duke should be arriving soon. Let me get a look at you, Daphne. Daphne rises. Anthony beams with pride. Who father would be proud? The search is finally over. Daphne has it, Duchess of Hastings. Feeling relieved. <laughs> One could say I'm glad I didn't shoot him. Little Hyacinth darts into the room. Sister! Sister! You are to be married! Colin saunters into the room as well, munching a crumpet. The room crescendos as everyone speaks at once. Sister! Daphne revs up. The siblings hush and give her a blank expression. I require a moment's... Peace. Moments later, the bedroom door shuts. Daphne flumps onto her bed and sighs. Another knock, knock. Daphne groans. Oh, let me be! He's here. Daphne springs up. Interior, upstairs hallway, Bridgerton home. Day, Daphne and Simon faint intrigue toward a mural in an upstairs hall of the mansion. On the cusp of words, Simon scans for eavesdroppers. The bustling domicile grants him no reprieve. Curious, Daphne. <clears throat> I believe I requested utter privacy. Here? <laughs> One must learn to speak in rhythm with the commotion. At the house's... As... Mm. As the house's inhabitants mill about, Daphne narrates their activities. One door opens, another may close. Rose tip-taps onto the washroom tiles. Anthony parlors with a general... Sneak in a secret when you can. Precisely. Simon smiles weakly. With your marriage to me comes a spectacular piece of baggage. Dissolving our engagement... Is not up for debate. Well, I, I never said... I will not be turning back. Simon monitors for busybodies once more. Um, 
for us to be wed, there is a trial uh, that you shall have to endure. Allowing you even one more minute of ignorance would be an act of depravity. Know this before you next speak. I know you. Whatever you've done, wherever you've been, I know who you are. On the inside. Simon softens. Daphne offers her attention. Now then. My father. I shall never hate a man more in my life. On his deathbed, I declared to him in my final vow, the Hastings family line will end with me. Splendid as they might be, children are entirely optional. Simon peers off. Um, There is, um... Uh, well, this is one more thing. Oh? My, my father held membership for an unsettling affiliation, one which, as his son, I was forced to inherit. And you, you as my bride, would be brought into um, as well. I know of the masonry. Oh, <laughs> masonry <laughs> if only well what do they do simon shifts in place he blurts they 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 have rituals you know um you generally of a perverse nature perverse right right do, do you remember at the pond um when we were talking of what a married man and a woman do when they are alone. Daphne becomes bashful. I've gathered as much as they, uh, they, um, touch each other as one might touch themselves. Right. Whew. Uh, so we're almost there. Um, well, imagine that multiplied by, say, 10,000. No. Fifty thousand? Daphne hides her embarrassment with an aloof shrug. Uh, is that all? What? What do you mean, is that all? The two jump as Mrs. Violet Bridgerton appears behind them. Oh. You know, Your Grace, I recall hearing somewhere it's bad luck to see the bride before the wedding. Resuming his typical suave self, Simon kisses Miss Bridgerton's hand. Well, my lady, considering the ceremony is still a month away, let us hope luck can make an exception. Mm, carry on, then. And please, Simon, call me mum. Oh, my lady, I shouldn't. Welcome to the family, Simon. Violet gives Daphne a pat on the shoulder and leaves them be. Simon and Daphne lean over the banister for a moment. If I am to be a lady to the Duke, I must not fear the demands of ladyhood. Uh, no. Uh, no, 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 no. You gravely misunderstand. This is not at all a typical... I am 21 years of age. I am a Duchess of Hastings. I do not fear love-making. Do you now? Because I was under the impression you didn't even know what love-making was until, oh, a month ago? No nonsense. Can you force me to explain it? I think this discussion is concluded. 
Daphne breaks away, but Simon lightly grabs her by the arm. Daphne, I have to be sure you- Your attempts to scare me will not work. I've passed the test. You shouldn't do this! Can't be with Lord Burbrook! Simon halts. Do you love me? Long beat. Unequivocally. That's all that matters. Daphne flashes a bold smile and goes downstairs to mingle with her family and entourage. Eloise, far side of the staircase, out of sight. Eloise watches closely as Daphne and Simon's scene comes to a close. Simon, upstairs hallway. Simon watches Daphne from afar. His eyes do not leave her. Interior, living room, Bridgerton home, night. Seated alone by the window, Mrs. Bridgerton clutches a cup of tea. Anthony is seated as well, though a few meters away. If not for the glow of the moon and the tick of a clock, they would be shrouded in darkness and smothered in silence. You'd rather not know. Ah, <sighs> the opera singer. This, this unrelenting talk of honor. Tell me, mother, which is less honorable, the abandonment of a woman who I've sworn to protect or... Or... A marriage to a woman of no status. Well, she certainly has status. Mother, please. There is no honor in honoring a dishonorable mistake, Anthony. Think of your brother's futures and think of your father's past. Violet yawns and rises. <sighs> the mind guides the heart and the heart guides the mind. Only you can stop the wheel. Good night. Violet retires for the night. Anthony stares out the window. A faint scuffing in the dark. Anthony shifts his attention. Who's there? Anthony scans a pitch-dark room. Hi. Eloise, what are you... Come over here. Eloise emerges from the black and takes Violet's seat. Beat. I have an idea, brother. I'm sure you do. Church organ music transition. Text. One month later... Exterior, Abbey Road, London Streets. Day, a string of carriages ramble through town. Exterior, St. George's Chapel. Day, horses and buggies line the street. A colorful crowd funnels its way into the entrance of the magnificent church. Interior, church, St. George's Chapel. Day, the crowd disperses onto the seats of the church. We see now where the organ music originates. Interior, back room, St. George's Chapel. Day, Daphne waits in her wedding dress, clinging tightly to the hand of her older brother, Anthony. Interior, church, St. George's Chapel. Day, everyone is here. The Bridgerton entourage waits to one side of the pews. Lady Violet has a seat toward the front. The Duke's entourage, half as large, waits to the left. Lady Danbury has a seat toward the front. On that side, the whole of the Featherington family takes a row to themselves. Simon Bassett waits with a priest by the altar. Something catches his eye. Standing alone atop a balcony is a tall, dark, hooded figure. Simon gulps. Gulp. The figure makes an X with their forearms and disappears. The procession begins. Hyacinth tosses flowers to and fro. She is followed by Will Mondrich, 39, Simon's best friend and best man, then Eloise, Benedict, etc. Finally, 
Anthony walks Daphne down the aisle. Simon and Daphne gaze into each other's eyes. The pastor's officiation grows more and more muffled as the two relish in a state of unified, unadulterated euphoria. The outside world fades into a heavenly white aura. Simon and Daphne stand alone among the clouds. I do. I do. Uh, interior ballroom, Simon's Manor, 8 p.m., 19th century rager, a small orchestra plays WAP by Cardi B featuring Megan the Stallion. Daphne and Simon dance the night away. Colin dances with a thrilled Penelope Featherington. Everybody's dancing and talking at the same time. Okay, not everybody. Anthony leans on a wall to the side. He perks up when Eloise crosses the room to him, dragging none other than Sienna, decked up in expensive regalia. Brother, I'd like you to meet my friend, Sienna Russo. With a childlike grin, Anthony lightly shakes her hand. A pleasure. So, how do you two become acquainted? After seeing her sing at the opera house, I just had to meet her. Do you care for opera, Lord Bridgerton? Anthony shrugs. Violet Bridgerton, far side of the room. Violet detects Sienna's presence. She glares across the room in disapproval. The ball goes on. Interior, ballroom, Simon's Manor, 1 a.m. Five hours later, the guests have long vacated. A few small lamps twinkle in the now dark and cavernous ballroom. Interior, upstairs hallway, Duke's residence, past midnight. A near completely dark hallway. Exterior, front, the Duke's Manor, night. Scrambling about the foliage of the grassy knoll, a tiny hooded figure stalks the house. They remove their hood. It's Eloise. All right, Your Grace. Let's see how this cookie crumbles. Eloise points an archaic pair of binoculars at the sole window of the house that is still lit. Interior, Simon's chamber, the Duke's manor, night. Still donning their wedding attire, Daphne and Simon sit in waiting silence. She yawns and shifts in her chair. Exterior front, the Duke's manor. Startled, Eloise looks away from the house. Footsteps? She dives into a bush for cover. Interior, Simon's chamber, the Duke's manor. Night. Daphne and Simon lock eyes. Suddenly, his eyes widen. Daphne, don't scream. Daphne stiffens. She slowly turns around. Two large cloaked figures stand behind her. Recomposing herself, Daphne rises and curtsies. Simon remains frozen. Good evening, gentlemen. Shall we begin? The cloaked figure raises its arm to draw attention to Simon's window. Wynne removes the curtains to reveal a crude wooden seat dangling by a rope. Daphne approaches the windowsill and turns around. A little help, my lord. Exterior, front, the Duke's Manor night. Eloise hides in the grass and stares up at the window. Wall-climbing men in cloaks? Wait until Penelope hears about this. From afar, she watches as Daphne descends from the window on the wooden seat. Daphne, grounded the base of the manor. Daphne hops off the wooden seat and wipes her hands. The rope zips back up. Eloise from the bushes. Eloise watches as Simon is lowered to the ground as well. Daphne, ground at the base of the manor. Simon joins Daphne at the base of the building. They see something off screen and make their way toward it. Interior, carriage. Front, night. Simon and Daphne wait in a torch-lit carriage. She squeezes his palm. Exterior, front, 
Duke's residence with a whistle. The carriage is lifted by four massive, blonde, identical, muscle-bound men who all look like Rocky Gibraltar from Toy Story. They noiselessly carry the carriage away. Once the coast is clear, Eloise emerges atop, atop her softly clomping pony, Rosemary. Six. She follows them. Exterior, the woods of London, night. The muscle men traipse along a hidden path below the underbrush. Interior, carriage, woods of London, night. Inside, the ride is surprisingly smooth. Exterior, the woods of London, night. Eloise, torch in hand, tries to keep up, but Rosemary just can't cross the bramble. Easy, girl. Eloise turns around and heads back to civilization. Exterior, clearing of the woods, mysterious castle, night. As they enter a clearing, a staunch, obsidian castle comes into purview. Daphne, carriage. Daphne stares in awe. She glances at Simon, who hangs his head. Interior, threshold, mysterious castle, night. Simon and Daphne exit the carriage. A gigantic stone slab reseals the open entrance behind them. At Fort Guano, you will be greeted by many faces of great distinction. Whom? The king and queen, the regent's prince. Atop a grand staircase, Queen Charlotte, the invalid wheelchair-bound King George III, and their son, Regent George IV, await them. Below them stand at least two dozen other individuals of all different international attires and complexions. Their attires all suggest royalty. The king and queen are involved? My lady, there isn't a king or queen who isn't involved. Daphne curtsies. Your Majesty. The queen bites her lip. Interior, Simon's chamber, the Duke's manor, one hour earlier. Flashback to the time of this conversation in the voiceover. Simon and Daphne wait at their chamber following the wedding celebration. Next, we will travel deep, deep into the caves. The caves? Interior, cave passageway, caves, Fort Guano, night. A doorway from the threshold opens. A hooded figure leads the party inside. Everyone marches in silence. I've only been there once before, at my own initiation at the age of 16. But as I recall, it was only when my legs were about to give out that we were allowed to stop. The party trollops through endless caverns lit only by glimmering diamonds. Daphne clings to her wedding dress in vain. Just when Simon and Daphne appear about ready to topple, the group halts. Warm steam billows from all directions. A geyser of hazy liquid bubbles out from the floor. The Almost the entire brown eye society collects some of the warm water in tiny teacups and enjoys a rest. Do not drink the tea. At the behest of George IV, Daphne takes a sip, though she spits it out a moment later. Finally, that should bring us to the ejectamenta chamber. Interior, ejectamenta chamber, Fort Guano night, the bang of a gong. Where the ceremony truly begins. A circular room, the smooth walls curve upward toward an infinite vertical void of blackness, no ceiling in sight. A tremendous circular wooden pallet covers the floor, sprawling with artwork detailing what appears to be a deep-rooted mythology. 
30 square-like sections divide the outer rim, each containing its own unique hieroglyphic. One individual sits in each portion, crisscross applesauce. Simon and Daphne stand at the center of the circle atop a large charcoal drawing of an eye. Candles have been lit. The Brown Eye Society watches on in patient meditation. And then? <laughs> and then I believe we are to consecrate the marriage? Daphne turns beet red. Oh my! And uh, in front of all these great leaders? Simon glares at their observers. Senseless hedonism. Simon drops to the ground and beats it. Who curses? A plague on you all! Thieves, I say! Thieves of the most shameful caliber! The insults merely entertain them. Several clan members break into frenzied chimp-like howls. Daphne puts her hand on Simon's shoulder, and the howling subsides. There is no greater sacrifice than that of a young woman's maidenhood. Simon rises. He gazes into Daphne's shimmering eyes. Then let's honor it. They lean in. I disgrace you. Oh, shut it. If it's good enough for your Macedonian whores, then it's good enough for me. The peanut gallery stifles squeals of excitement. Whoa! Now, seduce me, or what have you. Simon does the eyebrow. They begin to kiss. Simon undoes Daphne's dress. They find their way onto the pillows on the floor. Simon rises again to disrobe. The perfect male specimen. The society's eyes quiver in awe at the sight of Simon's glorious pecker. Several members are reduced to tears. <laughs> Simon returns to Daphne. Um, this may hurt for a moment. Simon inserts his wee-wee into her wawa. Oh, so that's how it works. Daphne moans. Simon groaned. They thrust in synchronicity. Simon glances at the army of eyes that befall them. Two society members appear to be placing bets. <laughs> Just look at me, Simon. They boink away as one writhing mass of flesh. Once again, the outside world fades away. You know not how I yearn for you. Oh, Simon, it was I who yearned for you. I love you, Daphne. I love you, Simon. After an impassioned accelerando, Simon unloads. He gets in a few more slow humps and then collapses. Daphne pets his curly hair. That could have been worse, no? Simon rolls away. Queen Charlotte hovers over them, clutching her stomach. She belches into her fist. The tea. The tea. Good God, but your majesty, surely she isn't ready yet. Queen Charlotte lifts her dress, turns around, and squats over Daphne's face. Simon? Do be still, dearie. Good heavens. 
Well, it is the queen after all. The queen takes a gentle soft serve shit on Daphne's face. Daphne politely accepts as she locks eyes with Simon. The queen pinches out the last of it. Daphne wipes the poo off her face. The society roars in approval. Oh, oh yeah! Oh. Most amusing, Mother. She did not see that coming. Not at all. As Daphne blinks out her crumb of duty, King Wilhelm III of Prussia looms toward her. Out of the king of Prussia's rear explodes a nasty wet shit that splatters and flings, near plastering Daphne to the hard wooden floor. Thwonk! He doffs his cap to her and walks away. Just as Daphne clears the shit from her vision, Mansa Musa, the emperor of India, drops one eggplant-sized deuce on her. She braces for impact as it rolls down the side of her head. Mansa Musa bows. Dazed, Daphne lifts her head to find that multiple society members have lined up, ass ready. What's going on, Simon? A nude Simon cries in the fetal position. <laughs> Be strong, my love. Emperor Kindu of China is next. He farts a couple of fake farts as if revving up the engine before peeling out cement-like heavy grainy shit all over Daphne's face. Oh. Off to the side, the four burly blonde fellows play Rain on Me by Lady Gaga in a string quartet. Kindu high-fives Marcelou, the Queen of France, right before she too unleashes a typhoon into Daphne's face, pretty much pure brown water. Swoosh? Simon yanks on his face in horror. Daphne, I assure you this is not a typical aspect of lovemaking. Daphne gasps for air. Her pale skin and red hair yellowing by the minute. Oh no! Next goes Ahmad Shah Durrani, Padisha of northern Turkey. He excretes 13 solid pellets, one about every two and a half seconds. Da do. Da do. Da do. After Ahmad salutes Daphne, King Maswati III of Kenya grunts and fires a direct Hershey squirt right into Daphne's eye and is finished. Not in her eye, bro! Not in her eye! Maswati shrugs and mutters something in Yoruban. I'm sorry about him. Queen Alejandra of Spain lowers a rope of shit that dangles from her sphincter for a sec, gaining momentum on the upward swing before breaking, rotating 180 degrees before landing flat on Daphne's face like a pancake. Thwack. <laughs> Daphne lies in a crusty pile of feces, gagging for air. Idris I, the viceroy of the viceroy of Libya, hobbles over, already in mid-shit. It gets everywhere but the face. An embarrassing display. And then goes the queen of Botswana, Shishirone. Silly string. What is that? Corned beef? Oh, curry? Nice, nice. I'll have to try that. Next is the emperor of Japan, Yoana II, who adds to the pile with the Blitzkrieg of sharding. Noisy. <laughs> and then comes along Sar Nicholas the eleventh. No one can stand this fucking guy. He starts pooing, but then slips in the lake of wet diarrhea, falling nuts, 
gooch and asshole flat onto Daphne's face. Anus still pumping out diarrhea, mind you, blasting and ricocheting off of Daphne's face. Muy blokly, človek, ja no ya. The Tsar walks away. Daphne wallows in despair. <laughs> Is it over? Yeah. The young Prince Regent George IV stands above Daphne. Almost. Geronimo. <laughs> Splat. Lastly, Mad King George III, unable to move, is lifted from his wheelchair by two of the cloak guys. And because he shits from a high elevation, you know it's gonna thwomp. And it does. He yawns with sort of that senile old grandpa kind of mouth, kind of face. Also, also, his poop actually misses Daphne's face. Here, let me get that for you, Pops. Prince George picks up that shit and smears it on Daphne's cheek. All right, Daphne, get up. I think that's enough. Okay, who's next? As the new shit line starts for someone else's face, a pink shape emerges out from a pile of brown sludge. It is Daphne. What? She wheezes and snorts like an old dog. Liquid <laughs> shit spurting from her nostrils. Simon runs to her. My love, um, are you all right? Daphne continues to crawl away. Daphne, pumpkin. Daphne slips. She reels around screeching. Did you not mention this? My dear, I... I... Don't touch me! Don't touch me! This society makes haste with the waste, and only ten minutes later, everyone is glazed in human feces. The orchestra ceases and the society joins hands to sing a sacred hymn. Montel, Montel, Daphne straightens her bearings. So, what about you? You're not getting defecated on? Um, not a chance. Why? Well, um, you don't have to. The group's singing devolves into whoops of sheer ecstasy. Queen Charlotte leaps into the air. All welcome, the ancient power which cannot be mortified. All that is them and shall be once was before. The room rumbles like an earthquake as the chanting reaches a fever pitch. The deep sub-bass of a child's giggle reverberates throughout the room. Daphne's head shoots in all directions. The great and merciful Dookie Nunu. As though falling from the heavens, a hulking behemoth figure drops down from the upward void and pounces into the center of the room. It is a chubby, seven-foot-tall, ethnically ambiguous human baby. Daphne screams in terror but can't look away. Ah! It has an elephant's trunk for a nose and carries a large rattle. Dookie Nunu, age infinite, the everchild, he giggles. <laughs> Great Dookie Nunu, for your entertainment we have deflowered a young maiden and celebrated much scatological hubris. We beg thee, answer our question. Does the great Dookie Nunu feel pleased? After a moment of silence, 
the society stares in anticipation. Suddenly, Dookie Nunu bursts out in a thunderous giggle mixed with an elephant shriek. <laughs> the crowd cheers and embraces each other. Kings and queens kiss. Simon sighs in relief. Dookie Nunu shakes his massive glass rattle toward the sky. The two beads inside begin to glow bright blue and amber brown. Daphne stares at the rattle. It rattles and rattles, slowing, slowing. The sounds of celebration fade away. Daphne looks up to the heavens. Her eyes begin to glow, one bright blue and the other a rich amber brown. A flame burns. In a moment, trillions of images flash through her consciousness. She returns to us. She rises. Daphne? Oh my God. It all makes sense. She stares dead at Simon. I understand. I understand everything! Interior, Featherington Home Study, the next day. Penelope and Marina sift through mounds of paperwork. Portia enters and watches in quiet pride. Upon noticing her, they pause. No, please, don't mind me. Marina steps forward. Actually, Miss Featherington, there is a matter I wish to discuss. The filing of Lord Featherington's Black Ledgers. I uncovered some papers. I think we may be able to get some leniency from the bank, considering the contract said it would expire in May. Portia adjusts her stance. Meaning? The bank may be able to forgive the bulk of last February's loan, giving the understanding that a portion of it went to the, a Featherington charity event. But we've never held a charity event. Ah, but it's only October. There's still time yet. Portia's eyes widen. I say, taught you to read on the farm, did they? Philippa bursts in with a wheel of cheese. Mama, look what Lord Anklerock has sent me. Cheese! Not much else to do in the country, miss. Besides impregnation, apparently. Portia snatches the papers from Marina and leaves, followed by Philippa. Eloise Bridgerton enters. Eloise, who let you in here? Have either of you ever been to north of the Bagledy Brook House? There is no north of the Bagledy Brook House. So I thought as well. The night of Daphne's wedding, she and the Duke were picked up by a mysterious carriage. It took them directly into the woods. You were spying on your sister in the middle of the night on her wedding? <laughs> you made lovemaking sound so nice. I thought I'd just get a peek. Not to do, not to watch. All right, bitch. I'm not the one who's been knocked up. Shut the fuck up. I followed them as far as the outskirts of Bagledy Woods. But there's a trail. Beep. No. Penelope, come now. No, thank you. I am not traveling to the middle of the woods just to watch your sister make lasty. No, I don't think so. But the carriage, Penelope. There were these, these humongous blonde men. There's something out there. Penelope throws up her hands, turns away, and disengages. Penelope, you're telling me you're not even a little bit intrigued. Bad idea. Interior, the Duke's Manor bathing chamber day. A chambermaid scrubs Daphne in a large tub. The maid gets a whiff, shudders, and holds her nose. Interior, the Duke's Manor library day. Seated at the piano, 
Daphne performs a winding, prodigiously complicated jazz rendition of the guitar solo section of Bohemian Rhapsody on the piano. It sounds better than Queen. Violet and young Hyacinth Bridgerton enter partway and listen in stupor. Daphne, mercy me. It seemed like only a month ago you were still learning the scales. Daphne closes the piano, rises, and steps forward. Mother, so wonderful to see you. Walk with me. Interior, Duke's Manor, Archery Range, Day. Daphne shoots arrows into a dummy. Violet watches in concern. Well, this is interesting. I take it the Duke has taught you? No. Eloise is doing all right. Benedict too. They miss you. Daphne keeps on shooting. Bullseye after bullseye. I miss you too, sister. When will you return home? Never. Daphne turns to her sister and coldly smirks. She hands Hyacinth the bow and arrow. Daphne, what are you doing? She has to begin training. It's not safe out there. Sister! Daphne gets Hyacinth into position. Relax your shoulders. Straighten your elbow. Find your dominant eye. Don't shake. Be the arrow. She's a child, Daphne! At Daphne's touch, Hyacinth loses her inhibitions, as if briefly possessed by Daphne's confidence. Daphne! Hyacinth fires the arrow perfectly into a bullseye on a dummy target. Violet stares in bewilder. Daphne beams with pride. Hyacinth stares at her bow in wonder. Fingerprints singe her sleeves where Daphne had touched her. Exterior, the woods of London. Day. Eloise stomps through the woods in a sort of Robin Hood getup. She squats down to study a trampled area of bramble. Penelope trudges behind her, winded. I can't believe I let you talk me into this. You shall eat those words when we get to the see the Duke's shaved bare chest. Something catches Eloise's eye. What? Eloise dashes forward. Hang on, Eloise! Penelope dashes as well. Exterior, clearing of the woods, mysterious castle, day. Penelope runs up behind Eloise. After catching her breath, she looks up in wonder. Reverse, Fort Guano, hidden but in plain sight. Penelope and Eloise, the two girls stare, mouths agape. What the deuce? They approach. Interior, threshold, Fort Guano, day. Eloise and Penelope enter the foyer where Daphne met the Brown Eye Society, though now deserted. Light trickles in from the cracks in the structure. It's like something out of a fairy tale. Hello? Eloise! What? I was just saying hi. Penelope leads them up a staircase. Interior, the VIP lounge, Fort Guano, day. Eloise and Penelope find themselves in a tarnished room decked out with sofas, a poker table, and a shuffleboard. Penelope explores the room. Now look who's intrigued. Well, as the Romans say, when in Rome... Penelope opens the door into blackness. Interior cave, Fort Guano, day. Eloise and Penelope stare into the abyss as two enchanted silhouettes. Interior, deeper into the cave, Fort Guano, continuous. Torches in hand, aided by the glimmering diamonds, Penelope and Eloise voyage deeper into the caves. They come across a waterfall of the tea. Magnificent! Not much further along, Eloise comes to a halt. Did you hear that? What? Over there. A soft murmur. Ooh, a child in here? 
Following the sound, they find themselves at a cave wall. Several meters above them is the ledge of the small of a small nook. The source of the sound? The room already aglow, Eloise lays down her torch and tests the wall. Don't climb that wall, Eloise. Eloise begins to climb the wall. It is in moments like these where I ask myself, what would Lady Whistledown have done? Would she have climbed that wall? Penelope smirks and grazes the rock with her hand. Oh, oh, it's dripping, Eloise. You are sure to fall. Eloise climbs with her hands at the top ledge. She tries to hoist her head over. See anything? The murmuring sound is visceral now. Eloise pokes her head over the ledge. Her eyes widen, trembling. Eloise looks down to Penelope. We must go. Stomp. With a roaring grunt, Dookie Nunu stands before Eloise at the edge of the nook, his <sighs> diaper dripping liquid poo-poo sauce onto Eloise's hands. Eloise screams. <coughs> Penelope screams. Oh, good heavens, what in Henry's name is that thing? Dookie Nunu babbles incoherently. Nah, 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 nah. The Duke to doo sauce on her hands, Eloise's hands, crystallizes into solid rock. Eloise tries to slide down, but her hands won't budge. Eloise, get down from there! Eloise dangles by her arms, unable to break free. Uh, I have become stuck! I cannot move! Dookie Nunu lets out a monstrous giggle and studies uh, Eloise. Uh, uh, uh. Hey there, little buddy! Dookie Nunu's diaper drops with a thud. He twists around and expels a tidal wave of diarrhea from his unsuspecting baby bottom. The 75-centimeter diameter poo blast envelops Eloise entirely as if she was swimming against a gulf stream. It splatters Penelope as well. The shark stream ceases. The drenched Eloise gargles, upchucking volumes of brown liquid. Eloise! Dookie Nunu recharges before unyoking another deluge, this time twice as concentrated. Penelope leaps out of the way. The diarrhea fire hose plunges directly into Eloise's mouth. After a moment, the sheer force snaps her jaw, dislocating the top and bottom of her head. Crack! The shard hose stops again. Eloise's body hangs, lifeless. Strained with sweat, Dookie Nunu prepares one last Kamehameha shit blast. Yeah! The green liquid maelstrom pelts Eloise with such cutting force that her skin and flesh gradually disintegrate, but the force only intensifies. Eloise's limp body jerks about in the blast before her arms snap at the elbows. Eloise flies through the air before pouncing into Penelope's arms. Dookie Nunu halts to assess the damage. Penelope cradles the half-skeleton of her best friend and screams in misery. Thumbs in his ears, Dookie Nunu taunts her with a raspberry blow. Suddenly, something zips through the air, only narrowly missing her. Oh, sugar, you thought we was finished? Ha 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 ha! They're not finished. Dookie Nunu fires a few spurts of shittle, which crystallize in midair, forming projectile brown icicles. Dropping Eloise, Penelope gets to her feet and barrels back up through the dark passages of the cave. A few more stalactites pin themselves to the wall of the cave in her wake. Thump! 
Zoom, zoom. Interior, cave passageway, continuous. Penelope runs through the cave, mind and body detached. The sinister echoes of Dookie Nunu's giggle nip at her heels. Interior, boxing ring, day. Daphne practices with Simon's boxer friend, Will Mondrich. Thwack, thwack, thwack. Oi, love, take it easy. Daphne knocks through the practice pad and wails on Will mercilessly. Oi, oi, oi. Simon enters. What is the meaning of this? Daphne pauses her assault. Mate, your woman is crazy. Boxing is no activity for a lady. Will box at Daphne. Oh, so I'm a lady now, am I? What, mate? She said this was your idea. Simon dons a pair of gloves and climbs into the ring. The ring, please, Will. Will shakes his head and exits. <laughs> you blokes is daft, I tell you. <laughs> daft. Simon raises his gloved hands as targets. They practice. Now, I have respected these bouts of rebelliousness, and I will continue to, but to what end? Daphne hits harder. To what end? Allow me to paint a picture for you, my darling Duke. Imagine... You're a young lady of nobility, raised in a bubble of wealth. Each morning you awaken to live out the dreams of millions. But one day, a stray harpoon pops your little bubble. And just in the blink of an eye, you find that you no longer reside in their dreams, but dwell exclusively in their nightmares. Daphne clobbers Simon to the floor. He wipes blood from his lip. Um, it is a very easy picture for me to see. Oh, is it now? As I've lived it myself as a boy, mind you, as a boy. That was their shit. What? Did you have to get shat upon? With no... But I did have to complete an entire triple flute d'alarms. Which one is that again? The... the... the penguins? Oh... right. She lowers her fist, crosses the ring, and droops over the ropes. I guess that's worse. Simon rises and walks to his wife. If you could go back to that life, to that blissful ignorance. Never. Not a million years. B. Tis a half moon tonight. Descartes je ne crois. My initiation ends tonight. Ready yourself. Interior Bridgerton House Foyer Evening. The pristine and elegant main hall of the Bridgerton household, the dancing of a heavy rainfall patters about the roof. Mmm. Three sluggish slam slam slams on the door. Colin pokes his head out from the balcony. The maid, Rose, answers the door. Penelope collapses into the house. Anthony, the rain stop outside rapping. Anthony, pounds stop rapping. <laughs> the rain outside pounds the curb. Oh! Colin dashes down the stairs. Penelope? Colin kneels by her side. He sniffs and recoils. Dear God, Penelope, you reek. Anthony enters. What is going on here? Interior, Bridgerton home living room evening. Penelope lies on a large tarp on the sofa. Anthony and Benedict stand by as Colin holds her hand. <laughs> What about Eloise? 
he's dead. The brothers sink. Two nearby maids listen in as well. No. Fly me. What happened? Um, well. Exterior clearing of the woods. Fort Guano, night, through the rain. The man carry carriage travels up the winding path to Fort Guano. Interior, carriage, night. Daphne and Simon sit. I cannot help but wonder if you were a gift to me from above, Daphne. It is because of you I no longer have to carry this burden alone. Thank you. Interior, theater, Fort Guano, night. On a stage, King Wilhelm and Ahmad Shah Durrani perform a song and dance routine. The rest of the Brown Eye Society watches from the first few rows of seats. Duki Nunu claps his hands with delight from his Goliath-sized stroller. Daphne leans over to Queen Alejandra. Your Majesty, if I may ask, will there be any excrement-related activities happening tonight? Oh, definitely. Shall I put down your name? Oh, no! I mean, <clears throat> no, thank you. They return their attention to the show. Daphne relaxes her head on Simon's shoulder. <sighs> I think I could get used to this. Daphne? She swivels. It's Anthony, holding a sword. He stands in the aisle near the fifth row. Simon turns as well. Daphne rises. Daphne, Simon, what is this place? <gasps> Leave! Anthony, go! Please! The heads of Queen Charlotte and some of the other society members bob around in their seats. Anthony moves toward the stage. Friend, don't come any closer. Anthony gasps at the sight of the sight of Dookie Nunu. <gasps> Sweet, merciful! That's it! That's the creature Penelope described! Do not talk about him like that! Daphne, this thing, it, it murdered your sister! What? Dookie Nunu farts and giggles. The performers stop the show. Hey, buddy, do you mind? Two burly blonde guys arrive. The Queen? Prince Henry? Gods, remove Mr. Bridgerton this instant. They drag Anthony away. Unhand me! Daphne, Eloise was murdered by that monster! Where are you taking me? What is this place? Tuki Nunu begins to cry. <laughs> Look what you did! Look what you did! The ceremony is tarnished. We must reconvene next month. Duki Nunu continues to wail. <laughs> Interior, hidden crevice, cave wall. Out of sight, Benedict Bridgerton sits and watches this all unfold. Hmm. He crawls away into a tunnel. Interior, theater, Fort Guano, night. Where are you taking him? Well, my dear, he will have to be executed. What? what? I need to speak to him. I must know if my sister is all right. Your Majesty, please. Anthony is the head of a great house. Perhaps he will be willing to join us. Enough. We must sing Dukinunu the sacred lullaby. The queen blows into a pitch pipe. Exterior. Mayfair, London, the next day. A busy city street in 19th century London. A shopkeeper stands on the corner and reads a newspaper. Good morning to my fellow countrymen of London. Ah, pleased to announce that I have uncovered my most heinous scandal to date. North of Bagledy Woods lies Fort Guano, the ancient castle of legend, within which resides a hideous monster. 
The Londoner looks up from the paper in disgust. They toss it into the street. Okay, this broad has officially trying too hard. Interior, VIP lounge, Fort Guano Day. The Brown Eye Society sits about the VIP lounge. Shishirone reads aloud from the same newspaper. There is talk that our lovely queen herself is involved and is being held captive. Not good. You can say that again. We must relocate Dookie Nunu. The secrets of the castle have been breached. It's all my fault. Daphne weeps. George IV comforts her. <laughs> no, hey, hey, listen, don't feel bad. You, you, were, you were really fun to shit on. <laughs> well worth it, in my opinion. Arrange the fleet at once. Your cousin's wedding is in two hours, George. Charlotte shuffles to the door. Your Majesty, we must talk to my brother. Her Majesty stops and sighs. Interior, the brig, Fort Guano, caves, day. Anthony bores his eyes into the wall of his cell. Simon and Daphne approach the bars, but he doesn't meet their eyes. Brother, where is Eloise? Well, one could say she's missing, but Pen... Penelope Featherington said something quite a bit more interesting. That she's dead, and it is that beast that has killed her! I'm afraid it's not possible. Dookie Nunu is our holy protectorate rates. A being of pure innocence. Protectorate? What is all this? How could you drag my sister into this, you bastard? I should have blown your head off when I had the chance, you scum! You ruffian, rapscallion! Anthony, you're going to have to learn our ways. I find that very unlikely. That, or face execution. <laughs> all right then, where shall we start? Hmm. Well, first of all, what's with the big baby? Well, we give the great Dookie Nunu a harmless tribute. And in return, he uses his power... He uses his powers to make sure racism does not exist. Racism? What? What's that? Simon and Daphne exchanged knowing glances. Imagine, brother, you hating me, absolutely despising me, merely because of the color of my skin and nothing else. The color of your... Why on earth would anyone care about that? That's preposterous. It is real, brother. I have tasted it firsthand in the visions Dookie Nunu has bestowed me. Imagine, Anthony, the chaos of the world. Anthony strains to imagine and fails. Well, it doesn't change the fact that this Dookie Nunu who murdered your sister. I will not have you slander his name. He would never do something like that. Never. Simon holds Daphne and tries to soothe her. Interior, Buckingham Palace, Ballroom, Day. The toastial ting of a fork on a glass. Queen Charlotte gives a toast to a ballroom filled with distinguished royal guests. Prince Frederick of Wales and Princess Cressida Cowper stand with pride. We are gathered here today to celebrate the marriage of my nephew, Frederick, to the beautiful Cressida. May God shine his light on you every day, every day. Large orchestra plays a live rendition of Driver's License by Olivia Rodrigo. Everyone celebrates. Exterior, dock, Bay of London, day. Simon and Daphne oversee a naval crew as they struggle to bring aboard a gargantuan square-shaped cargo covered in a blue tarp. Inside of cargo. Beneath the blue tarp, 
Dookie Nunu immerses himself in a bright little kid's game on his iPad Pro X. The demigod's beefy hands dwarf the device in size. Daphne and Simon on the dock. But what of Eloise? When his pureness has found asylum, we shall find her at once. Interior, the brig, Fort Guano, the cave, day. Benedict rescues Simon from the brig. Oh, goodness, bro. Thank you for saving me, bro. You betcha, bro. Anthony cracks his knuckles. Now, I think it's time we taught that little brat a thing or two about manners. Interior, Buckingham Palace, ballroom, day. The festivities continue at the palace. Olivia Rodrigo's driver's license drives us through all these wonderful scenes. Exterior, cargo ship, London Bay, day. Dookie Nunu, his container, rests aboard the ship. Simon lifts the tarp and feeds his master apple slices. The cock of a gun. Simon and Daphne whirl. Anthony Bridgerton stands there, gun drawn. Uh, Anthony! Step away from the baby. Please, Anthony, you know not what you meddle with. Anthony tilts his gun towards Dookie Nunu's head. Simon covers his eyes. Don't! Bacow! Teeth clenched. Simon opens an eye. Anthony stares in wonder, mouth agape. Daphne stands with her hand outstretched, her eyes aglow and her hair afloat. The bullet is frozen in midair. Dookie Nunu claps. <laughs> Daphne pulls back her hand and the bullet drops to the floor of the ship with a clink. Anthony regains his wits and prepares another shot, but his arm abruptly juts out to his side in an unnatural fashion. He cries in pain. Blast it, sister! Simon staggers back in amazement. Could it be? Daphne steps forward and with a wave of her hand, the gun drops from Anthony's grasp. With a wave and a pull from the other hand, Anthony is lifted into the air, an invisible hand at his throat. <laughs> Daphne! You have seen nothing. You will leave here at once. You will... Have unwavering faith in the greater powers at play. Anthony begins to turn blue. Just then, Benedict Bridgerton leaps aboard the ship. Sorry I'm late. I got tired and had to sit down. Daphne, look who I found in the caves. Benedict tosses the half-skeletal corpse of their dead sister onto the stalwart bow with a clatter. Eloise's periwinkle bow still clings to her skull. Daphne's eyes return to normal as she releases Anthony, who falls to the floor. Simon gets a closer look. Benedict sparks a fucking J. Dropping to her knees at Eloise's side, Daphne trembles. See? I told you, he's a right scamp when you get down to it. Simon confronts Dookie Nunu. Bloody hell. Is this true? Hey, hey. Look at me, look at me, did you do this? Why? Swink! An arrow impales Dookie Nunu directly to his cushy temple. Oof! Simon shouts and reels around to find Daphne staring back at him, her bow drawn, unblinking tears streaming down her cheeks. Anthony sits up in shock. Daphne lowers her bow and approaches her once savior. They watch as he rapidly ages into an 88-year-old man before triggering a mind bomb of blinding blue light. Interior, spirit realm, day. 
Simon and Daphne find themselves in a pink clouded ephemeral plane. They stand inside in a circle of 12 babies of varying racial backgrounds. Eloise stands before them. Don't you see, sister? The moment Duncan Nunu and I locked eyes, our spirits transported here to communicate. It was in that same moment that he explained to me that in the future I was to be the mother of the most racist man of all time, Adolf Hitler. After hearing that, my soul begged Duncan Nunu to do away with my physical form as fast as possible. You asked him to kill you? Eloise nods. He was just trying to protect us. A marshmallow school bus floats down from the sky and perches by them in silence. The door opens and Tumbleweed Joe steps out. He guides the babies as they board the bus one by one. All right, you young whippersnappers. All aboard the soul train. Joe shakes his fist at Daphne and Simon and grins. Well, pay my tokens and call me the infantry. Looks like humanity failed again. I keep telling the boys we ought to stop trying, but... Ah. Joe climbs back on the bus, but turns around once more. Tumbleweed Joe looks directly at the camera and scowls. They float away. Flash of white light! Exterior, cargo ship, London Bay, day. Daphne and Simon's spirits return to the ship. Dookie Nunu is gone. The sky slowly transforms into a sort of green hue. Well, we'll catch you guys back at the house. You know, I, I still don't really get what this whole racism thing is. Anthony and Benedict hop off the ship and head out. Daphne and Simon look at each other in loss. Interior, Buckingham Palace, ballroom day. The orchestra now plays Watermelon Sugar by Harry Styles. The ballroom dancing pairs begin to split up, now glowering at each other. Queen Charlotte lowers her glass and studies the scene in confusion. Exterior, Mayfair, London, day. Anthony and Benedict stroll down the promenade. An individual of African descent passes them. Benedict begins to uncontrollably bark like a dog. No! 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 He snaps out of it, holding his stomach in pain. My apologies, sir. I don't know what came over me. <gasps> oh, dear. I'm a racist now. Oh, no. Anthony gasps as well. The entire city rumbles. Suddenly, Benedict is yanked to the floor by his bottom. A crack forms in the sidewalk below, running parallel to Benedict's ass crack. A massive fissure opens in the earth. With both ass cheeks caught on different sides of the split, Benedict is painfully torn in half by the sphincter. His entrails spill into the chasm below. Anthony breaks into a mad sprint across London as the city crumbles around him. Interior, Buckingham Palace, ballroom day. The ballroom is broken into an all-out race brawl. The queen cries in horror. <laughs> they, they, they fucked up. They must have fucked up. A group of white royal people present Charlotte with a document. Hey, so me and the other white people were thinking... We really don't like that you're the queen. And also, uh, um, a minority. So anyway, me and all the other white people signed this petition for resignation, say. Interior, Bridgerton House, foyer day. Anthony dashes into his house. Colin Bridgerton reads a newspaper. 
Yeah, bro. Marijuana should definitely be illegal. Suddenly, Colin begins to rapidly shart diarrhea shit with such force it rips straight through his trousers. He waddles about the room, piping blood-curdling screams, his excretions far outbalancing his total body weight. Anthony watches in horror. I'm dying! Anthony grabs a handful of flowers from a nearby vase. Hold still, Colin! Anthony rams the flowers into Colin's tushy, plugging up the shitting. Anthony puts a hand on his younger brother's shoulder. Colin catches his breath. I thought I was a goner for a second. Kerploosh! The shitstream backfires, causing Colin's head to inflate with doo-doo and explode, smacking Anthony with a wave of shit slop. No! Colin! Violet Bridgerton enters carrying a large wooden cross. Anthony, darling, don't you think this would look good on Lady Danbury's lawn? Perhaps set a flame? Violet's ass begins to erupt. Oh my! Mother! Mother, get to the loo! Anthony guides his mother to the water closet. She sits on the toilet. They catch their breath. I just pray it didn't get on the carpet. Violet begins to sink. Anthony panics. Mother! Mother! As she defecates out her insides, Violet's body deflates, crumpling inside out and disappearing into the toilet. Mother! Take care of your sister. Anthony cries at the rim of the bowl as the last remnants of his mother slide down the drain. Hyacinth enters. Anthony grabs her by the shoulders, tears in his eyes. Darling baby sister, what what do you think? How do you feel about darker-skinned people? Hyacinth sighs. Hate them. Absolutely cannot fucking stand them. No! Anthony takes out his sword and diagonally slashes his baby sister in two. She gushes pure green diarrhea. Anthony lies on the bathroom floor, whimpering in a pile of blood and shit. Exterior, cargo ship, out to sea, day, miles from the coast. Daphne and Simon watch as the island of Great Britain sinks below the surface, swallowed up by an ocean of doo-doo green-brown. What shall we do now? We must find a place where we can be free. They sail the ship out to sea. Text. Three months later. Exterior. Cargo ship. Vast ocean. Day. Daphne looks out at the horizon and gasps. <gasps> Land ho! We see the modern day Manhattan skyline. Holy crap, what is this place? They park their ship on the beach. Exterior. Times Square. New York City. Day. Daphne and Simon walk through an abandoned Times Square, overwrought with trees and wildlife. Oh, what the heck is this place? A group of Native American people come out riding velociraptors. Squanto, 22, leads the pack. Welcome to America, friends. My name's Squanto, and I love eating pussy. Um, is there any, uh, racism here? Racism? Well, heck no! Just good vibes all day, in and out. Daphne and Simon smile at each other, as if to say, I think we found our new home. I think think we found our new home. Text. One year later. Interior, log cabin, Ithaca, New York. Day. A log cabin. 
Mm. Simon bursts in wearing a coat and carrying firewood. He wipes his brow. Honey, Daphne Pumpkin! Simon notices something on the table. A letter. He picks it up and reads. Dearest Simon, I am afraid I do not love you anymore because I've decided that I'm a racist. I've actually found a new hubby. His name is Christopher Columbus. Best of luck, Daphne. Simon drops to his knees and screams to the heavens. Exterior Route 51, Route 51, if you may, Open Desert Highway, Day, Christopher Columbus, 55, and Daphne Bridgerton ride off into the horizon on a motorcycle. A string quartet version of Born to be Wild by Steppenwolf plays out of Columbus's Walkman. And we are not recording the rest of it. We could be robbed at any time. A ton of gold, no guns, no ramparts, we'll be robbed.